Welcome to the Coaches Club Podcast, powered by Transform Sport, where we believe great coaches transform lives, athletes deserve great coaches, and coaches deserve great training. I'm your host, Luke Gromer, and every week we're bringing you conversations with coaches and leaders in sport that will help you grow as an effective teacher and transformational leader so that you and your team can reach your potential. Coaches, I'm excited to welcome Coach Jamie Beckler to the podcast. Jamie is the host of the Success as a Choice podcast and the author of three books, including The Bus Trip. He spent 20 years as a college basketball coach and or high school athletic director. He's a John Maxwell certified leadership coach and now works with high-level corporations and teams to help them maximize their potential in the areas of leadership and teamwork. Today, we dive into what most coaches are getting wrong in their leadership, how to know when it's time to dismiss a player from your team, and how to develop leaders on your team. I'm confident that this conversation will help you get better at teaching and leading. Enjoy the episode. All right, coach, let's start here. First, I would love to know a little bit about why you transitioned out of coaching and into leadership coaching. And secondly, was there a moment where you knew this is what I'm supposed to do? Yeah, great question. Um, and I always had a passion for leadership. I might not have always done it right, but I always had a passion for leadership. I had a passion for helping my players be better people. Uh, but it, like I said earlier, it was an evolutionary process. You know, it was a, it was a process. It's been a journey and I haven't always done it right, but I was coaching then became an athletic director. I was still doing a lot of uh, leadership work, both at the school that I was at, but also I would go out and speak at different places. I would go out, you know, whether it was community, um, local civic organizations or other schools or conferences, I was being asked to speak at different places. And I was like, yeah, I kind of like this. And, and so uh, I had the opportunity to uh, become a John Maxwell leadership coach. And so I joined that team, the John Maxwell team in 2016. And that's when I first realized that maybe I could do this full time. You know, I love organized athletics, but you know, what I really also love is being able to, uh, work from home is not having to go into the office all the time, being able to wear a hat, being able to wear not ties and suits, uh, have my own schedule, not at all afraid of working hard or working lots of hours. I just wanted to decide what hours I worked and how hard, you know, when I worked hard, um, you know, but so, so have some more flexibility. And so joining the John Maxwell team was the kind of the first time I realized, Hey, there's this kind of this thing out there, you know, you can make money, you could be a full-time entrepreneur. You can do the leadership thing, um, on your own. Uh, now I make that sound simple. It's, it's, it's simple, but not easy. Yeah. It's a simple concept, not easy at all, but I stopped being in organized athletics. I jumped feet first in, uh, the deep end and went at it in those first two years was almost like being a grad assistant again. You know, you don't know what you don't know. And I definitely didn't know what I didn't know. And, uh, you know, I, I jumped in at feet first, spent a couple of years making pretty much every mistake you can make in the book as a, as a business owner, as a small business owner. Um, you know, the speaking part is kind of easy to a degree. Uh, you know, getting up on stage in front of thousands is really the easy part. Uh, going and speaking to a team is pretty easy. Writing content or even writing a book is easy compared to actually having a business and running a business and all the things that go into that. And so I had to learn so much uh, of that, but it's been a great process, a uh, great journey. It's been fun. And uh, yeah, I've, I've been able to work with so many great athletes, so many great coaches all over the country at all different levels. It's in all different sports too. It's, it's been great. Um, you know, gotten to write some books, you know, just met a lot of people in podcasting industry. It's, it's just been, it's just been fun. And uh, yeah, you know, obviously you, when you have your own team or you're an athletic director, you really get to do a deep dive into those 15 individuals or 20 individuals or, or, you know, an athletic department, you get to know a lot of those student athletes. So, so there's a lot to be said for that in organized athletics. And, and there's a, there's a place for great leaders out there to, to be in teams, to be in athletic departments. I also think there's a need for people to go around and help others and help others see, you know, a, a great phrase is see the picture when they're inside the frame. It's really hard to, to, 
to see things when you're knee deep in the muck and the minutia of, Hey, I got to set up ticket takers and I got to make sure there's blue Gatorade in the concession stand. And I got to get these physical forms in and we got to plan practice. You forget that there's people involved. And so uh, it's been great to be able to go around and help teams and departments uh, remember the people, so to speak. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. And I think that kind of segues well into my next question. I think you started to hit on it, but my next question is, is just what are some of the first things that come to your mind when you think about uh, what most coaches get wrong when it comes to leadership? (laughs) Yeah. and, And you know, it's not just exclusive to coaches. It's just people in general, but the very first thing is I think we have a misguided notion of what leadership is. Our, our idea of leadership is positions, titles, flow charts, authority, status. Okay, I'm the president, so I am a good leader. I am the coach, so I am a good leader. I am your dad, so I am a good leader. Whatever, fill in the blank. I have this title, status, position, therefore I'm a good leader. But more importantly, even more importantly than I'm a good leader, you have to follow me. You are supposed to follow me and do what I say because I have this position, status, whatever, title. I think that's misguided. And I don't think people want to follow us because of that. People want to follow us because they believe in us. They respect us. They trust us. They, you know, when you go to buy something, typically you buy things from people, you know, like, and trust, you know, even at Walmart, you know, I know Walmart's kind of a big deal there in Arkansas where you're at, you know, Walmart, uh, it doesn't matter. Target, Best Buy, doesn't matter where you go. If you don't trust that company, if I walk into Walmart and I don't trust that what they're selling me is, is going to make my life better or is the product that they're advertising, then I'm not going to buy from them. The same way if you go to your yard sale, if I don't trust that what they're selling me or I don't like the person, maybe I don't like a person. And so I'm not going to buy from them. So people buy from those that they know, like, and trust, not because they have a position, not because they have a title, not because they have status. And so with leadership, where coaches get it wrong is they think people are supposed to follow them because they're the coach. And so everything that they do is one way. It's all about, I'm going to provide you insights. I'm going to provide you the best way to get from here to there. And you need to do this because I know more than you. I'm smarter than you. I'm more knowledgeable. And that doesn't elicit feelings in people that, oh, I want to come alongside of you. I want to do what you say. Our goal as a leader, our goal as a coach should not be to have as a basketball coach, let's say. And I know you have a lot of basketball coaches that listen to your podcast, Luke. My goal is not to have 15 compliant followers. I know that's what we, you know, just do what I ask you to do. Just do what I tell you. We should, our goal should be to have 15 leaders, 15 people on that team that are also leaders. They're, they're leaders of each other. They're leaders of themselves. They're leaders of their peers. Leadership's not about positions. Leadership is about influence. Leadership is about helping people be better. If you're a freshman on a team, if, if you're a freshman on your high school basketball team and you're not playing very much, you can still be a leader because you can influence the dude that's sitting next to you on the bench. You can influence your best friend uh, that you grew up together with and both of you are not playing very much. You can influence that person and they can in turn influence you to do what's right. And now you got two people doing what's right. And then there's another little click. You know, I'm using air quotes here. People can't see me, but a click over here of three people and they're all good buddies, but they don't have the title of captain and they're not starters, but you know what? They can all influence themselves the right way. And now you got five guys going the right way. And none of them have a C on their Jersey. None of them are a starter. None of them are averaging 20 points a game, but they can all influence each other to do what's right. But as a coach, bringing back to your question, circling back, but as a coach, if you're not paying attention to those kids and you're not trying to build them up as leaders and develop them as leaders, you're not going to get them making each other better when they're in the locker room, when they're on in the back of the bus, when they're in the cafeteria. Uh, and that's what you want because a coach and a captain is not always going to be around. Sometimes you're going to have Luke and Jamie sitting together in the back of the bus, no captain around, no coach around. And maybe we want to complain about something. Maybe we have bad attitudes and how are we going to make each other better if we haven't been trained to do that? 
final thing I'll say on that coaches, you know, going into, I, I don't think they develop leaders. They don't care about developing leaders because they're the, the big kahuna, you know, they're the grand poobah, they're in charge. So I don't need to develop other leaders because, oh, they're just a 16 year old. They don't know what they're doing. No, but when that fire breaks out in your locker room, the metaphorical fire, not hopefully a physical fire or the back of the bus, you know, when you have issues and drama and every single team, coach K coach Izzo, you know, the best coaches in America have drama and issues. It's just maybe lesser than, than some of the rest of us mere mortals, but everybody's going to have issues. Everyone's going to have metaphorical fires. Are you equipping your players with fire extinguishers? Or are you equipping them with lighter fluid? Cause at the end of the day, your players are going to be the one that's fighting that fire or allowing that fire to grow. Now we as coaches think, Oh, it's us. We're in charge. We're in control of everything. You're not in control. What goes on in that locker room, what goes on in that ride home in the car with their parents or their grandparents, you don't have control over that. So you better every day be fighting for your culture to try to shape the way your kids are thinking. And the way your kids are going to think is if you've developed them to be leaders, now all of a sudden they're going to take on a bigger mindset, a cultural mindset, the program mindset, as opposed to just their tree, they're going to look at the whole forest. And so that was a long, long answer, Luke, to the question. But I think coaches do it wrong because they focus on their positional leadership and therefore don't make other leaders or develop other leaders. They just try so hard to get their compliant followers. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. That's really powerful. So how do coaches do that? How can coaches be more intentional about developing leadership skills in their athletes? The very first way is to be coachable themselves. Coaches don't like to be coachable. Uh, you know, we ask that of our players, but then we don't do it ourselves. So be coachable. Uh, understand that you don't know it all. Understand that there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. And as coaches, we are the smartest people in the locker room. We're the smartest people in that gym. We're the smartest people on the bus. I hope we are. I hope we're smarter than our players. Okay, but that doesn't mean that we're going to go the right direction. That doesn't mean we're wise about stuff. Just because I'm smarter than you as my player doesn't mean I'm wise. You know, I heard it once said that knowledge or intelligence is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Most of us know that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing that you don't put it in a fruit salad. Even though it's a fruit, you don't put it in a fruit salad. That's wisdom. Or, or uh, you know, I, I talk about, you know, knowledge is knowing that a street out in front of my house is a one-way street. I know it's a one-way street. There shouldn't be cars coming. Wisdom tells me I need to look both ways still, even though it's a one-way street. So as coaches, sometimes we're dead right. You know, we're right about stuff. You know, we're you know, we're knowledgeable, but we're not very coachable. We don't take a step back and say, all right, what's the wise thing to do? All right, I'm right, but are my kids following me? Are they inspired? So we got to be coachable and we got to be self-aware about that stuff. But now we got to be intentional about how we're going to teach stuff. Very first thing is you can't teach anything, whether it's X's and O's or leadership, if your kids don't buy you, buy into you. You know, if, if they don't trust you, if they don't like you, it's going to be hard for you to sell them on anything. So you've got to connect with them. Uh, you've got to ask them how their day is doing. Actually listen to them. Uh, you know, don't make them a commodity. Be a transformational coach. Don't be transactional. You know, if your 15th kid is screwing up or your 15th kid isn't playing much and is not very good, you should still treat them just as good as you would treat the dude that's scoring 20 points a game. Don't just look at them as a commodity. Uh, and that takes a mentality shift sometime, a mindset shift. But do some leadership training with them. Take 15 minutes a day out of your practice. You don't need to spend your two-hour practice. You, first of all, most of our practices are absolutely boring. They're terrible practices. We haven't organized them well. Our kids aren't engaged. They're bored. And then we're wondering why a 16-year-old with no attention span to begin with isn't paying attention. It's because they got like a seven-second attention span and we're boring the crap out of them. Okay cut your practices down a little bit and spend a little extra time on teaching them something, teaching them something about how to handle adversity, do some leadership training, have a guest speaker in, do some team building stuff, just have fun stuff, you know, instead of two hours of boring practice, don't treat that two hours like it's, you know, church time or, or like it's this, this, 
you know, sacred time. It's not sacred. You know, it's just that time that you decided you were going to practice. Well, when they get a technical foul or when they're not doing teamwork very well, or when they're being really selfish, you know, did it really matter if you had a two hour practice or if you had an hour and 45 minute practice, but you were working on teamwork stuff, you were working on those other things that you're really causing that's really causing you to bang your head against the wall. So I think there's a lot of ways that you can, you know, lots of guest speakers, lots of things on YouTube, lots of ways that you can develop leadership, but teach it. And I don't care. I mean, yeah, I mean, it'd be awesome. Buy my books, you know, bring me in to speak. That would be awesome. But there's other books, there's other speakers, there's other things. YouTube is full of free stuff. Do something as a coach, do something because at the end of the day, it's a cliche, but it's not about the X's and O's. It's about the Jimmy's and the Joe's. I know that's a cliche and it rhymes, but your people, it's about the people. And even if you're the most Machiavellian coach, even if you're the most, you know, sinister, all I want to do is win. Well, the best way to do that is still to get the kids to believe in you. You know, even if you don't have good intentions, still treating your people right will get them to be doing more right things. You know, if they're more inspired to play for you, even if your motives are bad. So even if you're listening to this and, and you're just, you know, a sinister coach and you're Machiavellian and you're sitting there, you know, <laughs> you know, some evildoer or whatever, as my son will say, an evildoer, you know, still treat them well because that'll get them to do good things. Um, but hopefully you have nobody listening like that. Hopefully you have people that are listening to this show because they want to be a transformational coach. They want to be, make a difference. And if that's the case, man, treat people right, treat people right. And they're going to do the right things. And eventually the process is going to play out and you're going to win games or, you know what, maybe you don't win games, but it's another lesson that you can teach them. So I rambled on there quite a bit, but choose, be intentional first uh, or understand that you have to be coachable, be intentional, do something. I don't care what it is, do something that makes them better people. And if you have better people, if all else is equal, a dude that can dribble really well, that it's almost like a yo-yo that balls on a string. If you take two guys that are great dribblers and one's a good dude and one's a bad dude, probably the good dude, if the skills are equal, the good dude's going to win out. So hopefully you have players and you're doing your job as a trainer, as a coach of basketball or whatever sport you're teaching. Hopefully you're doing well to teach them the, the skills and hopefully you're developing their skills. Certainly. But man, if you're developing them as people, as leaders, all of a sudden their skills are going to be even better because, you know, they're not going to get uh, sidetracked. They're not going to get distracted when the referee doesn't make the right call or when they have a turnover or when something goes wrong, they're still going to be able to utilize their skills because their mindset allows them to still utilize their skills as well as they can. So, um, yeah, I, I said a lot there, but I boil it down to do some leadership training. Make yeah. your people better and your team will be better. Yeah, I love that. And and what you said at the beginning really resonated that most coaches, they're not coached at all. And they, for some reason, we don't expect the same thing from ourselves as we do from our players. We expect our players to be continually trying to get better. And we preach that. But I think as coaches, it's very easy to be complacent and, and we don't want to learn new skills when it comes to our coaching and our teaching. So I think that's, that is so, so important and crucial. And then the other thing I would just mention, I was thinking about it as you were talking just with start somewhere with leadership training, do something, uh, something that myself and the, and the coach that I work with um, have done the last couple of seasons is we've just let our our team come together before the season and kind of come up with their own standards. And we've given them a bunch of context that they'll be in throughout our season. For example, like when a ref makes a bad call or um, when you're not getting to play as much as you want to, or, or a bunch of these different situations that again, like you said, drama is going to happen. And so we talk about it before the season and then we just ask them like, what, how do we want to respond in these situations? What does excellence look like for us in these situations? And then for us as coaches, then when those situations arise, it's so much easier for us to call back to, Hey, we said that when a ref made a bad call that we wanted to have incredible mistake response and, and just move on right away. Um, and, and 
and to be able to bring, bring that up in the moment, whether it's practice or games, I think is, is so powerful. Um, and then, and then like you were saying to couple that with like, take some intentional time away from basketball too, to do some things outside of your game that are focused on building them as people. I love that. Yeah. Just mix it up a little bit, but but you can even, uh, you know, I think of immediately like visualization and I know, you know, as soon as we use the V word of visualization, you know, some people are like, Oh, this is some weird stuff. No, we talk about like visualization with free throw shooting sometimes you know, you just envision free throw shooting. Maybe you don't have a ball or maybe you're on the bus or whatever. And you're envisioning that envision things that can happen. Like, you know, every coach listening right now could quickly list 10, 12, 15 things that's going to happen in their next game. You know, a referee is going to miss a call. You know, a referee is going to make a bad call on you. You know, you're going to have a turnover. You know, you're going to miss a layup. You know, you're going to miss a wide open jumper. You know, you know, coach that you're going to get frustrated about x y and z like players coaches you all know what's going to happen in the next game you don't know when it's going to happen what the context is going to be but you know something's going to happen you can visualize your response you know what's your response going to be how you're going to handle those things and if you do those things enough it becomes almost like automatic you know, you don't have to experience those things to know how to respond to those things all the time. You can, you can think about it, visualize those things. How am I going to respond? And then when it actually happens, it's like, okay, I've been here before. Boom. Next play as coach K say next play. Boom. I'm onto the next play. Cause I just visualized it. It becomes a rapid response for me. It becomes a knee jerk reaction. I have the habit of responding, even though I haven't actually physically responded I've seen this happen so many times. And I think that that's important when we, when we deal with things, because especially when we're dealing with young kids, you know, especially at the high school level, you know, who haven't lived, who haven't experienced as much or don't have as, as many habits, good habits of bouncing back of responding the right way. So, you know, but, uh, you know, I think of, there's been, you can watch ESPN, you can watch the news, you can just whatever. And, and you can see all these examples that we could talk about or work with our team about. And one thing, and I know this is an extreme thing, but, but I thought of it right away is, is uh, you know, there's a, there's a bench clearing fight or there's a fight um, in a couple of years or a year ago, we had this situation with, with, I believe Kansas and Kansas state in basketball and this past bowl season, we had this with Tulsa and Mississippi State in the Armed Forces Bowl, you know, where sidelines, you know, there's there's this big brawl and, and people are getting hurt and, you know, people are getting suspended and there's all this kind of stuff. Those are things I know that's an extreme, but those are things that coaches we should be talking about when those happen. Don't wait for it to happen to us. And I know a lot of coaches will be like, yeah, but that'll never happen to us. Okay, don't look at the actual end result of a brawl. Look at everything that led up to that. Because no brawl just starts off with a light switch goes on and let's have a brawl. It starts off with one thing that escalates into another, another, another chippiness, chippiness, chippiness that leads to a big brawl, which leads to people getting hurt, suspended, arrested maybe. You know, okay, well, we won't have a brawl. Okay, but what you will have is technical fouls and you will have yellow cards and you will have red cards and you'll have getting... Uh, 15 yards unsportsmanlike penalties that happens right yeah okay well what led up to that so work your way backwards maybe you don't want to admit that there could be a brawl that's fine but work to some of the smaller things that are more realistic how are, how am i going to deal with this stuff do have we talked about our staff our assistant coaches what are we going to do when somebody gets a technical foul what are we going to do with me as the head coach gets a technical foul how are we going to deal with this? Is there a coach designated to hold me back? What happens if two kids under the basket tussle up? It's not even a bad thing, but they just go for a loose ball. They, they get kind of, you know, in a pretzel tempers flare. Do you have, what are you doing on the bench with your players? Have you talked to your players about this? Um, you know, all these kinds of things. And we're like, well, they'll know how to handle, or we told them not to, they can't leave the bench area. You told them once, my wife, after 20 years, still tells me to pick up my socks on the floor. You know, we still tell our 11-year-old our to do things. You know, how many times do I have to tell you? Well, obviously, a lot of times. Kids, they have to hear stuff all the time. So as coaches, there's so many ways that you can help your players be better, but also help your team be better, 
like from a wins and losses standpoint, you can help your teams be better. And it's not always just, Hey, we got to, we got to scrimmage a little bit extra, or we got to shoot more free throws. Sometimes it's the mental part. Sometimes it's that learned response where we're visualizing, we're talking about stuff and then we're repeating the process. We continue to talk about it. Um, yeah, that I, I, I get passionate about it because I don't think, I think coaches are too one track mind. Sometimes we have to do X's nose. We have to, if something's not working, we got to put in a new play. Well, no, you still got the same players executing the new play. Maybe Luke and Jamie, you know, don't like each other. It has nothing to do with the play. Maybe Luke and Jamie just don't like each other. Or maybe Jawan and Jalen don't, they like each other, but they both have different agendas. They both want the shot. They like each other. They're buddies. You know, while you put in a new play, you still got the same issues. And coaches ignore that sometimes. We just want to, we want to fix a basketball or we want to fix a people problem or an issue that's people related and solve that with some kind of a basketball problem, you know, solution. You know, and I don't think that that works all the time. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I like that a lot. Um, kind of in that same train of thought with, with people issues that we experience in, in teams. Um, and as coaches, uh, you shared a video of, of Nick Saban on Twitter talking about getting the right people on the bus and the wrong people off the bus and getting them in the right seats. Um, I would love it if you would just talk about uh, your thoughts on the importance of that and how a coach, particularly like maybe high school and below, um, should go about determining when and if it's time to remove someone from the bus? Yeah, great, great question. Uh, great words from Nick Saban. And, and not all those words on the video I posted a while, uh, you know, that the one you're, the tweet that you're referring to, you know, I mean, that's not exclusive to Nick Saban. It's not like trademark copyrighted stuff, but Nick Saban, when he speaks, people listen. And he has good words and he has a good concept, a, a good grasp on culture and process. But, you know, he, you know, yeah, he's talking about stuff. John Gordon has a great book called The Energy Bus about getting the right people on the bus. Uh, Jim Collins with Good to Great talks about getting the right people in your organization. And you can go from good to great different. I'm, I'm paraphrasing uh, some of the concepts. But, yeah, the Nick Saban getting the right people on the bus, getting them in the right seats getting the wrong people off the bus. And, you know, he also talks about high achievers don't like mediocre achievers and mediocre achievers don't like high achievers because they have standards that I don't want to live up to. So all that stuff. Yeah. Great question. Great, great concepts there. First of all, it, it's absolutely imperative that you have the right people on the bus, that you have the right people on your team. Now, not everybody gets to choose who's on their team. I understand. Now, if you're a college coach, there is very rare circumstances where you don't get to choose your team. Now, you might feel like you're handcuffed. You might feel like, well, this is all I could get. Okay, maybe you feel that way, but technically you could choose who was on your team. High school, most of the time, it's hard to choose 100% of your team. But here's the thing. Like when I would take over a team, when I would take over a basketball team, those players might not be my recruits, but they are my players. They become my team members. They, they're, my, they're my players. And so in high school, you might not be able to choose your players, but once they're on their team, then you need to do – they're on your bus. Okay, so yeah, you maybe not be able to choose who's on your bus, but now what you can do, that second part of Nick Saban's quote of make sure you're there in the right seats, get those players in the right seat. Make them better, in other words. Help them grow, develop, help, help add value to them. Equip them, enable them, empower them. Probably enable is a bad word because enable gets a negative con connotation, but enable them, like enrich them, make them better, empower them. Um, so maybe, the, maybe you got people on the bus that maybe aren't quite who you would want on the bus, but that's just life. You know, sometimes you play poker. Some of your listeners might play poker. Your delta hand, that doesn't mean you have to just, oh, if you didn't get the right cards, now all of a sudden, oh, woe is me, I can't win the hand. No, you play your hand and you make the best of it. And sometimes people win hands and lots of money with a bad hand. 
Sometimes you don't have the right people on the bus, but you can work to make sure that they're growing and developing and you're empowering them and you're helping them become somebody that should be on the bus and you're helping them get in the right seats. Now, your specific question of when you should get rid of somebody. I am in favor of not getting rid of people unless absolutely necessary where it's going to mess up your team. It's messing up your culture and there's no other way that you can get around that. I think we cut bait on kids way too quickly, not because it's the kid's fault, even though we say this kid's a turd or this kid's a bad apple, this kid's a cancer, but we haven't done what we should do as a coach. We haven't invested in their lives. We haven't dived into their life. Oh, well that takes too much. I don't have time for that. Jamie, I don't have, I don't have time for that junk. We're in the middle of our season. Yep. You're right. You don't have time for it right now. You should have been doing it during the summer, but you weren't because you took the summer off or you were only worried about, you know, getting paperwork in for the, you know, physicals or getting paperwork in for summer camp. You weren't worrying about taking this time to invest in your kids' lives. Start now to invest in the kids' lives. If you want them to, if you want to connect with them next year. You know, if you're going to have tough conversations, have tough love with them a year from now, then you need to start right now building a strong bond. So, yeah, you're right. You might not have time now, but you should have been doing something before. So I think sometimes as coaches, and I know this is a little harsh, but the reason a kid has to get kicked off the team is because we didn't work with them. We didn't develop them. We were more worried about X's and O's. We were more worried about our convenience than investing in the life of kids. Now, there are these kids that can't be reached. If that's the case, then definitely one, you got to make sure you've documented some stuff, especially if you're at the high school level. Um, you want to document some stuff, but you want to go through as much process as possible. I would suggest not kicking off a kid right away. Give them some hope. Give them something to strive for. If you really care about kids, uh, you might actually be able to suspend them for an indefinite amount of time. But if you do this, this, and this, you get back on the team, but we're going to suspend you, but you're still going to be around the team. Now that sounds like counter. Like that's like, well, why would, if you're going to suspend somebody, why would you want them around the team? Because if they're not around the team, you have no control whatsoever. You have no chance of reaching them. How in the world, especially probably a bad kid. You probably think their parents are idiots more, more than likely you don't like their parents. So if they're, if the kid's a bad kid, and they're going to be stuck at home with their idiot parents, how do you think that they're going to get better as a person and be able to come back to your team? So now here's what I would say. Most of us have a staff. We don't have as big of a staff as we'd like. They might not be full-time, but we do have people. Assign a staff member. Assign somebody to look after Luke, to help out Luke for the next week or two weeks, to remind Luke of stuff. Oh, I don't have time for that. Okay, are you in it for the kids? And especially if the kid's a good player, a good talent, this might actually help your team in the long run. You could salvage a kid. But that's why I say start early if possible. You know, the best time to fix a roof is when it's sunny outside, not when it's raining. So start now to build a culture that has all leaders in it, not just compliant followers. Mm. That's really good. Kind of circling back to what you were talking about with getting players in the right seats on your metaphorical bus. Uh, I think that a place that you actually mentioned earlier that, that most kids, most coaches neglect is the kids at the end of the bench. Um, how can a coach um, effectively help those players that aren't going to get to play very much embrace their role and still um, yeah, embrace their role and help them see themselves as a vital member of the team. Yeah. Great question, Luke. And I'll start off once again, kind of with a theory or a mindset. It has to be a mentality shift for coaches. We have to actually believe that those kids have value because if we really don't believe that they have value, that's going to come off. I mean, they're, they're going to, they're going to sense that. And we're going to be insincere anytime we say something. So they, we have to truly believe that they have value. Uh, and we've got to find some way 
to find value, to make them significant, make them valuable members of the team. And then we have to emphasize that with them. Different things like, you know, you have to truly believe that, you know, a hundred thousand dollar luxury sports car can't, will be sidelined, can't run if that five or $10 spark plug is not working. You know, this sports car needs a cheap spark plug to work. Well, our team needs spark plugs. Our team needs role players, valuable role players, or else the stars aren't going to be able to be stars. Our team's not going to be able to go down the road, you know, as effectively without a spark plug. We need, we need the nice, beautiful chassis, but we also need those spark plugs. And you have to believe that. And then you have to celebrate successes. You have to add value. You have to catch them being good. Coaches have to catch their players being good. I didn't do this my first few years. It's like, dude, they're supposed to box out. They're supposed to get a loose ball. Why am I going to pat them on the back for doing what they're supposed to do? Well, because people like that. People like to be praised. People like to be acknowledged. Um, it's my job to do the dishes in the house. I still love it when my wife will touch my shoulder. Hey, Jamie, thanks. Thanks for doing the dishes. That gets me all warm and tingling inside. You know, that's awesome. That's great. You know, that's my job. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to wash the dishes. But I still like the praise of, hey, I recognize that you did that. That's awesome. That makes me more motivated for the next time or to do something else. It's the same way with our kids. Man, Luke, that was awesome. When you boxed out over there, uh, I know, but I didn't get the rebound. No, no, no. That's all right. You blocked out and it allowed Jalen to go get that rebound. If you hadn't blocked out that guy or if, you know, hey, after the game, everyone just saw that Steph hit that shot. That's awesome. Steph hit that shot. But Luke, if, if you hadn't set that screen for him or if you hadn't taken that charge with seven seconds to go in the game, we wouldn't have even gotten the ball back so Steph could hit that shot. You start celebrating the successes, but more so even than that is you start catching them being good. You recognize those very things that you're always preaching. Team, team, team. But then our words or our actions betray our words a lot of times. Team, team, team. But then, you know, we don't, we don't praise the team stuff. We just high five the running back who just scored a touchdown. Not those big nasties, those hosses that opened up this big gap and hole so that the running back could run through it. You know, we don't, we don't uh, celebrate when Luke passes the ball to the wing and he cuts down the lane really hard and that defense shifts over to Luke and that allows someone to drive from the wing. And that could be the difference between a block and a charge call because they get there. The defense gets there late in help all because Luke cut down the lane as a decoy hard. You know, those are the things that as coaches, we need to be recognizing and calling those things out. The dumbest parent in the stands knows that Steph just hit the shot. Everybody knows Steph hit the shot. Everybody knows Steph just scored 30 points. Everybody knows that. The stupidest person in the gym knows that. You need to rise above that, and your team is going to catch on when you start talking about that screen that so-and-so set or that thing that so-and-so did with two minutes to go. Those are the things that are going to win your players over. And they're going to be more encouraged and more motivated to do those things the next time. Um, the, the final thing I would say about, or the, the, a, a quick thing I would also say about that is find ways to put your people in positions that set them up for success. Don't put them in positions. Uh, you know, Luke, I, I can't, Luke, Luke's terrible. Luke just absolutely can't dribble with his left hand. Okay, well, don't put him in a position to have to dribble off a ball screen with his left hand then. You know, be smarter than that. I need to, as a coach, be smarter than your weakness. You know, don't use your weakness as a crutch for my co lack of coaching. You know, put people in. A, that, that kid just can't shoot. That, just can't, that kid can't shoot a, a three-pointer at all. Well, don't let him catch the ball at the three-point line. Or, you know, if he keeps, man, he, you know, I had, I'll give you a perfect example. I recruited this kid years ago, hot shot score, scored, you know, like a, a bajillion and a half points in high school. All right. She comes in hot shot freshman for half of her freshman year. I'm banging my head against the wall. I'm just, you know, essentially under my breath, you know, I'm just cursing, recruiting her because all she ever does is screw up my offense. You know, she's playing the three spot and she's supposed to catch the ball. She's supposed to do what my offense says. 
she, you know, she's supposed to pass it over here to my top score, or she's supposed to, you know, post feed it here, but everything that she's required to do because she's playing a certain position in my offense. Uh, I didn't recruit her to be a reversal passer. I didn't recruit her to be a post feeder. I recruited her because she scored a bajillion points in high school and nobody can stop her. That's why I recruited her, but I put her in a position to fail. I put her in a position that she wasn't comfortable in. Um, I screwed up as a coach. I have to find ways to help my players be their best. And if I'm, 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 if Luke can't dribble with his left hand, but I'm constantly putting you in a position to dribble with your left hand, then shame on me. I didn't do a very good job of coaching. So the kid at the end of the bench, find ways to help them be better. Find two minutes in a game where they can go into the game. Find, find something, find a role. All right. You're going to be the lockdown defender or you're in the box and one, you know, we're only going to do box and one probably once a week or once every four, four games or five games or something. But man, when we go box and one, you are that person, or you're going to be the point of our press or whatever, be a kamikaze, be our rebounder. You're Dennis Rodman. I know I'm dating myself there, but you're, you're going to be something, find a way for everybody to have value. Um, on your team. That's really good. Yeah. And I've just experienced what you were saying that, that kids love it when you start to celebrate what leads to good outcomes, when you start to celebrate the process, they, they enjoy it and they love being recognized for those things. Um, a couple questions left. Uh, first, if you, if you had to just choose your top three, uh, ingredients for a, a championship culture, what would they be? <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to give you the first one is a, uh, the first one is kind of a, a, a cheating one, but I would say leadership. And, and that's only because what I said earlier, I believe your whole team, the, the goal should be to develop more leaders, not just compliant followers. So leadership in terms of the more leaders you're going to have on your team, the more people that are influencing one another to be better, your culture is going to be better with, without question. Um, so leadership is kind of the easy one to me, um, but I don't think we do that very well. Uh, responsibility. If you're going to have a great culture, you have to have responsible people. So you have leadership, people developing leaders, but you also have to have responsibility. Or uh, Coach K, he's the first one that I heard say it, but collective responsibility. Kind of this sense of we're all responsible to one another. Uh, you could call it ownership. You could call it investing in the process. I like the collective responsibility, but we're all responsible to one another. When Luke shoots a shot, it's my shot as well. If I have a turnover, it's Luke's turnover. We're all in this together. It's not, well, you know, they, I, uh, me, my, uh, it's not, they lost. It's not, you know, Luke, they, you know, I didn't, I didn't screw up. I didn't even play coach. Didn't even play me. It's not my fault. Well, shoot. It's your fault more than it is the people that played. Cause you're so bad. The coach had to play them. You know, I mean, it's, but it's, uh, it's a bad joke there, but you know, it's us, it's we, us, ours. It's not me, my, you know, I, they, uh, you see this with coaches all the time. They talk about they, you know, especially if you take over a program, well, they, you know, talking about last year, talking about the team. No, it's we, it's our, us. We, we need to be better. Um, so that collective responsibility, that, that taking ownership uh, to a degree. And then uh, uh, habits, daily habits, daily habits. Well, what does that have to do with culture? Well, because your habits, what you want, what you want tomorrow you need to put that stuff in motion today. What you do today is going to affect tomorrow. What you did yesterday is going to affect today. So what do you want your culture to be like? And then work backwards. You know, I want our team to look like this. I want our program to look like this. Okay, well, then that's going to require that every day we do this stuff, kind of the process, the journey thing. We need to know where we want to end up. And then we want to have good habits that allow us to get there. Um, you know, we want to fight for those habits every single day. So, you know what, if, if Luke shows up late, well, and I don't say anything about it, the next day he might show up late or two days later, he might show up late. 
And then next week he shows up late and it becomes a habit where he's allowed to do that kind of stuff. So the habits you develop, you have to have good positive habits that lead to what you want, where you want to end up. So essentially are your choices today on par with what your goals are? Are the things you're doing today, your habits, are they aligned with where you want to end up? So leadership, responsibility or ownership, and then habits. I like it. It's a good list. Really, really good. Uh, here's my last question for you. And it's something that I've asked every coach um, that I've interviewed. Uh, if, if you could decide, uh, these are the three or four things that every coach in every sport at every level, they need to be educated on these things so that they can provide a great experience for athletes. What would they be? Uh, first of all, make yourself an expert at understanding slash listening. Uh, that's probably not something you would think of, but become awesome, awesome, awesome at understanding other people. And one of the ways you do that is by listening, learn to listen, listen to learn. Uh, you know, Stephen Covey in his book, seven habits of highly effective people say, seek first to understand then to be understood. Uh, coaches are different than players. We think differently. We've had different experiences. Uh, even, even Jamie as a 16 year old basketball player is, or as a 16 year old basketball player way back in the day would be different than Jamie as a 16 year old basketball player today. So there's different thought processes. There's different things we have to understand. We have to see things from a different perspective or else we'll never understand how to motivate people. We'll never understand what makes them tick and how to get the best out of people. So first be an expert at understanding communication, be good at communicating uh, and try to be good at communicating over communicate. Don't be afraid to talk to parents. Don't be afraid to talk to, don't be afraid to have difficult conversations uh, nip things in the bud, talk about things, praise people. Uh, we talked about that earlier, catch people being good, but be really good at communicating. Most of the time, problems in marriage, problems in relationships, problems with players, coaches come down to, we didn't communicate very well. Uh, how many times do we say this with our boss? So oh, they didn't, they never communicate very well, or they don't ever tell us anything. Okay. Well, let's communicate better. Uh, and with that, you know, the best time, all right. We have practice, Luke. We, we have basketball practice. Right at the end of practice, we get them up for a, get them together for a huddle, and we're like, "Okay, guys, remember this, this, and this." We give them three important things they got to remember, and then the next day we're ticked off because they didn't bring in their slip, their permission slip, or they didn't remember to do this. It's like I told you, I told you this. Yeah, we just told them after they did seven line drills. They're dead tired. They can't wait to get out of there and go to McDonald's or whatever. And we told them that right then. Well, I taught, I told you. Yeah, but you didn't really communicate effectively. You know, come on. Uh, you expect a 16-year-old with no attention span to remember what you just said after all these line drills? And especially after maybe you yelled at them and they're still ticked off about that? Come on now. Be better at communicating. And I think that's so important. Uh, pick the times that you communicate. Just be better at that. Um, and then the, the third thing I, I, I think you have to be an expert at is relationships, people, just in general. Um, not necessarily like, okay, I, I have to be a, 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 an amateur psychologist, but be an expert in people. Think about people all the time. Uh, put people first, I guess is what I'm saying. You know, be better at the people aspect of it. Treat people with kindness. Be kind to people, even if they're not kind to you. Be respectful to people, even if they're not respectful to you. If you don't like somebody, then don't go about being, you know, having an eye for an eye. That just makes everybody blind. Don't treat people the way they're treating you necessarily. Be good with people, whether they deserve it or not, because that's that says more about you than it does the other person. Um, and we're almost all of us are in the people business, but especially your listeners as coaches, they're in the people business. You're going to have kids that you don't like. You're going to have parents you don't like. You're going to have administrators you don't like. So what? You're in the people business. Be better than that. Rise above that. Be a person that's respected. Be a person that people can trust. Be a person that is, is, is 
tends to take the approach of I'm going to be even keeled. I'm going to be the adult in this relationship. I'm not going to overreact to stuff because I'm going to treat people well, whether or not they deserve it or not. And whether or not I'm in a good mood or not, I'm going to treat people well, because that's going to go farther to build our culture. When I was an athletic director, I could put up great signs in our office. I could paint the office. I could redesign the office. I could have great, you know, emails and memos. But if I treated my secretary terrible to start each day, she was going to deal with hundreds and hundreds of people that day on the phone or in person. If I treat her terrible or just dismiss her or am short with her, that could affect the whole day, hundreds of people, because then maybe she's short with those people or she doesn't treat people treat them right during the day. So how you deal with people, so, you know, it's huge for your culture. Yeah, that's really good. It's fantastic. Uh, well, coach, tell people how, uh, how, how can they uh, follow you, your work? How can they uh, get in contact with you or, or get access to what you offer? Yeah, the best way is if you're a twit, follow me on Twitter at Coach Beckler. Um, I, I tend to put out a lot of stuff on that and, uh, that's what I'm most active on social media, but also my website's coachbeckler.com and from coachbeckler.com or from my Twitter account, they can see my books. They can, uh, check out my podcast, you know, check out the leadershipplaybook.com, which is our, uh, our online community, our membership site for leaders. Um, so, you know, they can find all that stuff or just find good nuggets of, of information, uh, positive stuff to be better leaders, uh, at coachbeckler.com. Coaches, if you enjoyed this episode or found it valuable, please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And give us a shout out on Twitter at CoachesClub underscore. That's C O A C H E S Club underscore. And lastly, if you'd like a copy of the notes from this episode, go to transformsport.org slash podnotes. That's transformsport.org slash podnotes or click the link in the show notes to get a free copy of the notes from today's conversation. Thanks for listening to the Coaches Club podcast powered by Transform Sport, where we believe great coaches transform lives, athletes deserve great coaches, and coaches deserve great training.